Remote learning can be challenging, but remote banking shouldn't be. Parent Trapped from Common Sense Media is brought to you by First Republic Bank, committed to providing you uninterrupted service today and always. Learn more about First Republic Bank later on in this episode. Hey everyone, it's Anne-Marie, host of the show. Before we turn to today's episode, which we prepared for you last week, we want to acknowledge what's happened over the last few days, the murder of George Floyd, as well as the protest and unrest that followed. Common Sense and the Parent Trap team are deeply saddened and angered by these events. We hope you're safe and healthy, and we'll be doing a show on talking to your kids about racism and the news next week. This is sobering stuff and it's difficult to talk about at all, and especially with kids. We want to hear what's on your mind. Send your thoughts and questions to us at parenttrapped at commonsense.org. Thanks. How do you introduce a guest like Julie Andrews? I mean, she helped a family escape the Nazis. The hills are alive with the sound of music. She's the original super nanny, ready to sweep in and take care of the kids and get them to do stuff they don't want to do. Spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down, medicine go down. Julie Andrews is like the ultimate child saver. Mary Poppins, Maria from The Sound of Music. Yes, these are just roles, but it turns out the real Julie Andrews helps to pull kids out of dark situations, too. From Common Sense Media, I'm Anne-Marie Baldonado, and this is Parent Trapped. Today, Julie Andrews gives us the spoonful of sugar we need to help swallow what we're all going through right now. She and her daughter have a new project designed to spark kids' imaginations during the pandemic. Plus, tips on how to get your kids excited about reading this summer, because what else are they going to do? And a story about how a college soccer star turned a kid who hates writing into a kid who likes it. In The Sound of Music, the Von Trapps were escaping Austria just before World War II. But in real life, Julie Andrews was a child during the war, living in England. She used to sit on top of an air raid shelter and blow a whistle to warn all of her neighbors every time a German missile flew overhead. Then, after the war was over when she was around 10, she started touring the country, performing vaudeville to help support her family. In fact, I had a tutor that traveled with me everywhere because I was already entertaining a great deal uh, in the theater. So I had to have my schooling, of course, and, and she was with me everywhere. The schoolwork was fine for Julie, but what she really wanted to do was read stories and write them, stories of her own. And she would not let me write my stories until I'd completed the math and the history and the geography. But, um, but then she would let me just fly with the uh, creative writing. So I've always loved it. And yes, uh, reading books, I would just delve into anything I could get my hands on that sparked my interest and, and took me somewhere uh, was what I was looking for always. 
Julie says that books helped her escape the realities of post-war Europe, and when she became a parent, she passed that love of books and the idea that reading can help you get through dark times onto her children. We, we're looking for meaning right now more than ever, and I think people are turning to story. And, you know, whether it's story told in, in theatrical form or in narrative form or in news form, and I think now more than ever, we need that. Emma Walton Hamilton is Julie's oldest daughter. They worked on Julie's memoirs together, as well as 30 books for children and young adults. And now the mother-daughter duo have a podcast for kids. It's a project they've been planning for a while, but when the pandemic hit, they figured now's the time. It was thought that it would be helpful to uh, bring the air date a little forward so that it would help children that are stuck at home with families and uh, give them something to do and to think about and it gives them some joy, hopefully. And we thought, well, this would be a lovely extension of the kind of work we're already doing, celebrating literacy and the arts for young people. And wouldn't it be lovely if we could create a podcast that would invite families to listen together and to engage in dialogue about the books that we read. In each episode of Julie's Library, Julie and Emma read a book or two. The way they read them, it's like they're there with you and you almost don't miss the illustrations. Once upon a time, in a little blue house on a hill on the edge of town, a baby was born. They were born when both the moon and the sun were in the sky, so the baby couldn't decide what to be. Boy or girl? Bird or fish? Cat or rabbit? Tree or star? So the baby looked a little like everything. They looked very strange. In this episode, Julie reads a book called From the Stars, Stars in the, the Sky to the Fish in the Sea by Kai Cheng Tom. When my two old for picture book kids and I listened to this one, we teared up a little. And actually, it was kind of nice because for a few moments, we were totally immersed in the world created by a book not worried about getting finished with breakfast in time for the first virtual meeting of the school day. And that's the whole point of what Julie and Emma do. They believe that books and storytelling help kids tap into their own imaginations and help them to create stories of their own. Now, you're both writers. You write together often. I think that parents now, particularly being with kids at home, uh, are looking for ways to encourage their kids to write, both kind of in academic settings, but also as a creative outlet. Do you have any uh, recommendations for caregivers who want to encourage writing in their children? Oh, gosh. Generally speaking, just no censorship is the best possible gift you can give to a child or a young writer, is just to have them write from where they are, what they know, what makes them happy, what makes them scared, what makes them angry. Ask questions and then, you know, allow them to write freely without judging too harshly the results or the grammar or the spelling or the punctuation. And I think if you can do that, if you can support and affirm a young writer for writing from their own authentic voice, you can build a love of writing um, that then, you know, all those structural details can be incorporated later. Yeah, sometimes younger kids can get frustrated because they have an idea of what they want to try to get out there and they don't necessarily have the tools yet. 
That's right. And, you know, and of course, they spend a lot of time in school learning, you know, how to structure an essay or, or you know, all those those rules. And I think that the real joy of writing comes in just letting your imagination lead you wherever it would like to go and follow and allowing yourself the freedom to follow it. I really want to also make sure that people know about your Netflix series, Julie's Green Room, which both of you worked on and was released a few years ago, but it's just this lovely show. Oh, oh thank you. Our, my kids, I have a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old. They loved it back then. They love it. We're revisiting it now. It's just a wonderful <laughs> show. And it's, you know, it's meant for preschoolers, and it's certainly great for preschoolers, but it's really great for anyone Adults too. Uh, if you love theater and musicals and performing, that you know that's a plus. But it's just great for everybody. Can you describe the show? Sure. Um, it was done for Netflix about four years ago, and it's really about my owning or supposedly owning a small theater and teaching um, theater classes and so on. Excepting that my pupils are the wonderful Jim Henson puppets. And really taking every aspect of theater and creating our own musical, as, as you know, if you've seen the, the series, uh, but each week dealing with a different aspect of theater and what it means and why it's important and everything from uh, building the sets to writing the script to creating the music, to uh, sewing the costumes, <laughs> and so on and so forth. There are lessons about things like singing, improv, and acting, all done in a silly, non-teachy kind of way. And in each episode, they're taught by a special guest, people like Adina Menzel, Ellie Kemper, and Alec Baldwin. So it's time to start our acting class. First, there's listening. Super important. Mm -hmm. what, what did he say? That's the spirit. Pay attention to how the other actors talk to you. This will help you to know your character. Julie sees acting and performing as yet another tool for exercising imagination. And because people are home, she's releasing new videos on her Facebook page. Julie and Emma have all kinds of games and activities to bring out the theater kid in anyone. One of our favorites is a game we recommended called... Um, it's called The Never-Ending Story, and you basically, one person starts a story by starting a sentence, once upon a time there was a, and then the next person continues the sentence, you know, fish, <laughs> and he lived in a, and then the next person says, bathtub, yeah. or, or whatever it might be, yeah. And eventually, if you go you go back and forth or round and round, depending on how many people are, are playing, you know, you have a wonderful story that's gone off in all sorts of different directions you didn't expect. Also, there was a family tradition in, in our house that we called the three-minute game. And it does keep children very occupied and brings out the most amazing things. For instance, you give each child a pencil and paper and you say, in this act, there are subjects or the beginnings of sentences, and you may write for three minutes, only three minutes, the first thing that comes into your mind when you open that piece of paper and see the subject. And it could be literally anything to the person on my left or right or a color or how I feel about going back to school or whatever. And you'll get two games where children say, oh, I, I don't know how to do this, or I can't do that. And, and then by the third, they're hooked because what you do at the end of the game, every time everybody's uh, subjects are collected, 
you read them aloud. So everybody gets to share. And soon you get children saying, oh, wait, wait, I, I haven't finished my sentence. Give me two, two more seconds to finish writing what I was writing. And it's very interesting see how they respond. It's a great game and it keeps kids very quiet, doesn't it, Em? <laughs> it does. So if you need a creative outlet or just a little quiet, check out Julie's new videos on Facebook. Julie and Emma's new podcast is called Julie's Library and you can find Julie's Green Room on Netflix. Coming up, some advice for how to use all this time at home to get your kids to be better readers, and a tip that might actually make your kids want to write a letter. Stay with us. Support for Parent Trapped comes from First Republic Bank, committed to providing you uninterrupted service and support today and always. Take care of all your banking needs from the comfort of your home with a First Republic mobile app. Deposit checks, make transfers, and monitor your balances anytime, anywhere. You can also message your banker directly from the app. Learn more at firstrepublic.com today. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. And we're back. This summer, when school's over and camps are mostly non-existent, I would love my kids to spend days sitting in a chair reading for hours. But how realistic is that? And how much should I force it? Is reading really that important? It offers a lot of benefits to them in the long run from issues of language comprehension, vocabulary skills, cognitive skills. Sierra Felucci is the editorial director at Common Sense Media and oversees parenting advice. And then there's also research that shows that being read to can have a significant positive effect on behavior. So less aggression, less hyperactivity, more ability to focus in the school years. What are some ways to encourage reading, particularly for children that don't like to read? Yeah, I think for reluctant readers in particular, it can be helpful to Make sure that there are options available to them that maybe don't feel that intimidating or that really fit into their interests, whatever that might be. So one thing I love for reluctant readers is graphic novels. Those are great ways for kids who feel a little intimidated by a lot of words on the page and might just enjoy looking at the pictures and then kind of, you know, reading when they feel like they want to, but still being able to really follow a narrative and understand the story. And for parents, if they want to read along with their kids, that can be really helpful and they can describe the illustrations and ask questions about the illustrations and make it a really fun and positive Uh, experience for the kids so that they then connect the idea of reading with something really pleasant. Well, there are some teachers that don't like their students to just read graphic novels, but you're okay with it. (laughs) Really, I think the goal for most parents, and I would think for most teachers, is to encourage a love of learning in kids and a love of reading. And I think that's really what's most important. 
I think, you know, if your kid is spending their whole entire life just reading graphic novels and a teacher feels like maybe they haven't acquired the reading level skills that they need, um, I think that's a whole different issue. But as long as there's sort of a balance between what kids are reading, knowing that they're reading things that are exposing them to, you know, important skills that they need to learn. Is your thinking that any reading is good reading? Like, it's okay if your kid is reading books about Minecraft. Well, Minecraft seems fine, but not (laughs) fancy books. It's like any reading is better than not reading. I think for the most part, any reading is good reading. I think some kids could use a little bit of prompting to maybe get a little more sophisticated in their reading. But I wouldn't do anything that takes away the joy that they're experiencing. So if your kid is piled, you know, knee deep in Minecraft books and is just tearing through them and loving them and enjoying them, I think naturally they will, you know, move on to more sophisticated content eventually. So I I wouldn't worry about that at all. One thing you recommend is that parents help their kids start book clubs. Um, particularly going into the summer. And it's a nice idea. How would you encourage kids to do that? Yeah, I love the idea of book clubs. And this could be a really cool time and actually a time when you can connect with people who aren't necessarily close to you. I think you really need to have parents who are committed and involved and willing to do some work for this. You know, most like elementary age kids aren't necessarily going to be able to sustain the work that goes into really running a successful book club. But with parent involvement, what you can do is, you know, make sure you've got a decent number of kids, maybe, you know, three, four, five, seven kids, probably not much more than that. And then have a meeting on Zoom or, you know, maybe the parents can coordinate over email and choose a book and then have a set time. And maybe, depending on the ages of the kids, either have the parents guide the discussion and ask some of the questions. Or if the kids are a little bit older, a little more sophisticated, they can have some questions prepared ahead of time. Sierra says if parents can't get involved, a couple of friends who are really into the same book can form a little unstructured club of their own. That works too. So I would say have low expectations, but it can actually be something that can really encourage kids to read because they have some accountability to their friends. And that can also just be a fun way of connecting in a time when we really need that. I know the best way to foster reading in the home is by modeling that behavior, you know, having adults in the house read as well. But I'm going to be honest, like I'm reading right now, but a lot of it is articles, it's news, and I'm reading those things on my phone and my computer. And I worry that it just looks like I'm on a screen and not reading, like it registers as screen time instead of reading time. <laughs> is there a way to fix this or, you know, or or should I not worry about it too much? Well, I think there's a couple different things you can do. So first of all, I'm a big fan of narrating what you're doing when you're staring at a screen, um, if your kids are around. So, um, you know, and this can work for anything from I'm texting with grandpa to ask him about his day so that they know you're not just playing Candy Crush. Um, Or uh, you can also, you know, as you're staring there at your phone, you can say, oh, I'm reading this really interesting article. It's about, 
you know, blah, 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 and sort of let them know that when they see you staring at your phone, that you may be doing something productive and just get them kind of used to the idea that that happens. And for kids who have phones, I would say, ask those questions of them too. You know, oh, what are you doing? You know, sometimes they're on Snapchat. Sometimes they are also reading an article. But on top of that, also try to actually read something like a book or a magazine in their eyesight so that they can feel like, you know, books are always accessible and they are a part of your family's life. Sierra Felucci is editorial director at Common Sense Media. In an ideal world, all kids could have access to physical books and ebooks, especially now when they can't get them at school or libraries. Common Sense Media compiled some resources, ways to get free books while at home right now. You can find a link to that list in our show notes. Today, we end the show with a cool tip for how to get your kids to do some writing during quarantine. My name is Alethea Girding. I'm a mom in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Alethea has a son named Jackson. I'm nine. He struggles with reading and writing, and it's also a struggle for us to make him do it. Um, it's just a really headbutting exercise to have him answer questions that the teachers give. One thing Jackson does love is soccer. And when quarantine started, he was really missing soccer practice and watching his favorite team. Well, he has an obsession with UNC women's soccer and one player in particular. Tori Hansen has a graceful explosiveness. He's a huge fan of freshman Tori Hansen. So Alethea had an idea. Maybe there's a way to use Tori to get Jackson to write. And this is the letter. Alethea was like, hey, Jackson, want to write Tori a letter? Dear Tori, I have been missing you a lot. I've been waiting for your games, but I am so sorry they got canceled. While we're talking about soccer, my first game was supposed to be today. I also hope you can post soccer drills on Instagram. I hope you're not sick. I hope you're fine in quarantine. I hope to see you soon. I have been missing you and the team. I have been playing ping pong with my family, your friend Jackson. Then Alethea DM'd a picture of the letter to Tori on Instagram. And one of the things that he had asked is if she could put soccer drills on Instagram, and she did. I was like, yay! And so we ended up doing that for a little bit of PE. I mean, in his mind, you know, this, this is this amazing celebrity that he's friends with, even though she's a freshman soccer player on the UNC women's soccer team. Alethea says if you're going to try the pen pal trick to get your kid to write, pick the right level of celebrity. I mean, if he had written a letter to LeBron James, I don't think we would have ever gotten a response. Um, so, so for those of us in college towns or even in small towns with, I don't know, kids who are obsessed with minor leaguers or something, um, I think there must be a sweet spot somewhere for people that kids think are celebrities, but again, aren't such giant celebrities that they don't have time to, to respond to the kids. Do you like to write things anymore? Sometimes. Uh-huh. But sometimes not? Yeah. I guess sometimes it's better than no times. Do you have a parenting tip or hack you want to share? Or do you want to scream with your family and send us the recording? Write to us at parenttrapped at commonsense.org. The screams in this episode 
came from Sam Chan and her daughter, Jojo. This episode was produced by me, Anne-Marie Baldonado, with Dennis Funk. Our editor is Hilary Frank. We got production help from Natalie Price. Our engineer is Pete Karam, and our theme song was composed by Casey Holford. We get editorial support from Andrea Salenzi, Fred Graver, Kira Reppin, Jill Murphy, and Ellen Pack. Common Sense Media is a national nonprofit that rates media based on children's developmental guidelines. To learn more, visit commonsensemedia.org, where you'll find age-based ratings and reviews that are written by experts and trusted by families everywhere. Thanks to our show's founding sponsor, First Republic Bank, committed to providing you uninterrupted service. To learn more, visit firstrepublic.com today. And be sure you've subscribed to Parent Trapped on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now.